0: Hello. Good afternoon. Good morning. It's afternoon here in the recording of this call, this podcast. Um, give me one second here. I'm going to start the room here. All right. Here we go. Boom. All right. So first of all, I want to say happy Thanksgiving to my American friends at the recording of this um, episode, this trigger-proof transmission, uh, I, uh, it's Thanksgiving weekend, and what a fitting conversation to be talking about during Thanksgiving weekend than the conversation of boundaries. Boundaries are terrifying to us. I'm going to talk a little bit about what they are. Why they're so important and why they're so difficult. And there are seven primary <clears throat> types of boundaries that, you know, most of us, if we haven't done our own healing work and our trauma work, we don't understand them. Um, we have them violated consistently or we violate other people unknowingly, not because we're bad people, but because we don't really understand. So, I really want to delve into this uh, topic and have it give an opportunity for anybody um, who has any questions. Or I'm, I'm broadcasting this live on uh, Clubhouse, so there's an opportunity for anybody who has a question to jump on and ask. But I'm going to go into my transmission and talk a little bit about boundaries <clears throat> because... Um, Quite frankly, this is literally one of the most important things that we talk about. And now we've gotten to a place where, you know, we talk about boundaries a lot. And so if you've never had boundaries before, you've never been able to say no to somebody in a relationship, all of a sudden you take a course or you see some YouTube videos and you're like, oh, boundaries. And then you all of a sudden start to reflexively give boundaries to people all of a sudden they have a there's a reaction and then you're like fuck why didn't why did I I knew I shouldn't have given a, set a boundary because every time I do it doesn't quote unquote work and by work it means the other person needs to be just receiving your boundary with open arms and respecting it you know and that's the the perfect world so i'm going to get into it but if you've never met me before welcome if you're the first time in my universe my name is dr nima romani i'm a retired chiropractor turned interpersonal trauma specialist because i discovered several years ago about four years ago that i was in a trauma bond i thought i had my shit together with my own personal growth unbeknownst to me as i was teaching personal development helping my patients get out of their victimhood story so that they can actually heal i just discovered that i was like I love doing that way more than being in the office working with my patients. So I made that leap. And now, as a chi- I retired as a chiropractor. I no longer am licensed to practice chiropractic anymore because now I run a community, global community of people who are working to break cycles of intergenerational trauma that has them showing up insecure uh, in relationships, essentially, I made the link between chronic illness uh, in my practice, between chronic pain, chronic illness, and unresolved childhood attachment trauma. I saw it. I could see it, and I'm like, I'm not helping these people if I don't help them go upstream. So um, I'm not an academic. I'm not a scholar. I'm more into finding and using tools that are efficacious, that are useful in helping resolve the root cause, the upstream root cause. And when you do that, all of a sudden, um, your body, your health issues start to resolve because you're now more connected to yourself. And it's kind of embarrassing to say after 20 years of practice, 20 some odd years of practice, that self-love is the reason, a lack of self-love is the reason why we get into these insecure attachment wounds, uh, insecure uh, relationship patterns, what what uh, I you know, I, I reference this a lot. Uh, trauma bonds. If you, if you haven't seen it before, go ahead on YouTube and watch the video, uh, Anatomy of a Toxic Relationship, a Dissection. And also um, another one uh, on YouTube that I did. It's called How I Found Myself Stuck in a Trauma Bond. I share my story. I don't have to bore you with it because it's already on my podcast and my, my YouTube video, I really want to talk today about helping you with boundaries, but I just wanted to give you that background. Um, I help people who are stuck in relationship limbo saying, should I stay or go? I help them uh, kind of reconnect to the, the person that, that they are, that they lost before they got involved in their trauma bond. And it's kind of useless to go to a couples counselor or do therapy and talk about your story and their story and argue over which story is right when you haven't really understood the contextual uh, framework of how the relationship got together in the first place, which is a trauma bond. So I, what I do is I help people dismantle trauma bond their trauma bonds so that they can make a really powerful choice whether to stay or whether to go. And boundaries are a big part of this conversation because boundaries, I want you to, I want to, you know, we have to to, to answer the question of, you know, how do, you know, how do we set boundaries? How do we uh, communicate what's important to us in a way that can land for somebody else that doesn't diminish them, uh, that says, you know, what our firm no actually is. Uh, and the different types of boundaries. So uh, make sure you have a pen for this because I'm going to be, through this transmission, I'm going to be doing a little rating system where you get to kind of do a self-assessment of where you are with boundaries, Uh, specifically the types of boundaries that that, uh, I'm going to go over, like emotional boundaries, sexual boundaries, time boundaries. I'm going to go over all of them. You're going to give yourself a little rating so that now you have a little bit of self-awareness It's really about self-awareness. Healing your trauma is really about self-awareness. finding the self that we lose based on our traumas, reclaiming that self, reclaiming the definition, the boundary of who we are, so that now you know exactly what to work on. You can find the right guide. You find the right community to help you kind of reshape and redefine and reinvent who you would love to be right? Because, because the truth of the matter is, to talk about boundaries, we first have to acknowledge that, um, you know, you've been given an identity, you know, boundaries are something that are communicated from the time that we're born, right? And so I'm just looking at my two-year-old son, Dominic, and so it begins where, you know, like, he's, Breastfeeding, for example, when you're breastfeeding and many women who've breastfed will be able to tell, let me know if you can vouch for this, a woman who's breastfed and the baby just chomps down on your nipple, it's like, fuck, it's like, stop that. It's like how you communicate your boundary to the child after getting your nipple bitten is literally how... Boundaries are, it's like, it's so subtle how boundaries are communicated. Um, I, I noticed my son, uh, you know, he, he'll, you know, when they, when they first start, you know, developing muscles and they start hitting, right. And all of a sudden he'll accidentally hit me or he'll, you know, he'll hit me and totally by accident and my reaction to him. And when I say no, when you say no to a child how does the child react? If you've ever seen the child, they're like, oh, you know, you set a boundary for a child, it evokes an incredible amount of shame. So when we talk about boundaries, it's important for us to really understand the mechanism behind boundaries and boundary violation. It all has to do with shame, because um, you know, boundaries are are communicated. Um, it, it's it's communicated. Uh, shame creates this lack of boundary. So if I, if if my son, uh, if my son um, hits me, for example, and then I say no, all of and I say no, and and he, it, I do it in a jarring way that really impacts his nervous system, and it creates a shame type of response. What'll happen is that he'll internalize it. The child does not have the capacity to say, oh, my dad, he's just reacting from a wound. He doesn't really know. He means well. It's just his own wound. That's not what happens to us as children. What we do is we internalize the the shame. We don't say, oh, that person is unwell. That person's sick. We say, there must be something wrong with me. I'm bad. So I'm bad becomes this deep core wound caused by the shame when a boundary is crossed and we're not, you know, we're not, it's not dealt with in a loving way. It's really normal in, in childhood. It's very normal that, you know, inborn rhythms for children of connection and disconnection. Connection and disconnection and ideally uh, a parent or a caregiver is able to attune to the needs or the little micro cues of the infant or the child so they're responsive to the to the infant's cues for connection and honors them so when a child has a cue for connection like i want the ideally the caregiver sees that it's kind of like a, a a it's like an approach, uh, what's that called? It's, it's a type of, um, let me just see, I have my notes here. Um, sorry, here. It's an abandonment boundary, okay? When you seek connection, but the parent doesn't have an attunement for the child's needs, that is called an abandonment It's an abandonment boundary. It's a it's an encroachment of a boundary, resulting in abandonment because the cues for the cues for connection are not listened to or paid attention to. So then, what ends up happening is that the child then doesn't feels abandoned, and that is one form of boundary violation, right? So, so there's a need for connection. If you haven't noticed with children and also a need for space. So please get that. There's a need for, there's a need for connection and a need for space. Sometimes I come up to my son and I grab him and I just kiss him all the time. And he's like, get away from me, pushes me away, right? If I see that and I, first of all, he's like laughing and joking, but then I just go a little bit too far because I just squeeze the shit out of him. He's so cute. Then he's like, get away from me, dad. He's like, ah, he's like pushing me away. But if I haven't done my own healing work, I will see his pushing away as an encroachment, uh, sorry, as a rejection. I'll take it as a rejection and then I'll punish him for it. And what's the message that, the, that my son gets when, he, when I don't pay attention to his cues for space? so a child has gives you gives us cues as parents for connection and space and this is really normal and we don't always get it right as parents it's normal so ruptures to these boundary encroachments are normal right it's a normal part part of parenting and in little small doses where we have these ruptures and repairs actually are wonderful for the development of a child because they're learning Secure attachment. Secure attachment doesn't mean everything's hunky-dory all the time. It means kind of small doses of rupture and repair, rupture and repair, prepares the child's nervous system for adulthood where they are able to function in normal life, like workplace, like relationships, friendships, right? I mean, you're going to have, in any secure relationship, you're going to have a rupture. But if we haven't been modeled rupture and repair, this is where boundaries start to become a little foggy. So I'm telling you this because I want, you know, in order to heal, we got to go back into history and understand where things go wrong in the first place. Because people always ask, people always ask, oh, can you give me um, scripts for boundaries? And that's not what i teach if you try to script boundaries without doing the inner work and healing from the encroachment that's happening internally then the boundary is just it's it's inauthentic but when you do the inner work and heal from the ruptures that haven't been fully healed in childhood your boundaries come naturally nobody has to tell you what to say because you're connected to yourself and when you're connected to yourself and you're connected to your knowing you're connected to the no you can say no that doesn't work for me no i'm not available for that because the question you're going to want to ask if you want to understand why you suck so badly at boundaries is what happened when i was a child and I shared what my desires were, what my preferences were. I shared what, what my values were, what my opinions were, what my desires were, what my preferences were, what my requests were. How were they met by my caregivers? In fact, I'd love for you to write it in the chat box. How were they met? You know, when you said no, right, I can... Think back of a time, you know, my mother just barges into my room, right, without knocking. And I say, mom, can you please knock? For fuck's sakes, (laughs) could you please knock? And she gets highly offended. She takes it as a rejection, which is what children do. When you say no to a child and, you know, we say no to Dominic and then all of a sudden he starts crying That's our childlike self. This is our narcissistic parts. Two-year-olds are natural narcissists. And hopefully, if parenting is, is, is done in a conscious way and you allow the child to emerge and you don't give them everything that they want, in other words, that's another form of trauma, is not providing any boundary to the child and saying yes all the time. And what happens is the child then learns that there's no boundary between himself, herself, and the world. There's no boundary. In other words, they get everything they want. And then what happens when they hit the real world and the world doesn't go according to their plan? They're hit hard with the dose of reality because they weren't they were They were yeses. And everybody here, you know, I'm sure if you're listening, you know somebody who was basically infantilized or pedestalized as a child. You've been listening to the Trigger Proof podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Any time there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at breathwork and badassery or the overview experience and a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you. If you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. Where they weren't given any boundaries for whatever reason, because of the guilt of the parent. Usually it's guilt usually it's guilt or an anxious attachment of a parent that hasn't done their own healing work then doesn't want to feel rejected by the child so says yes all the time. Oh, you're crying? Yes. Can't handle the feeling of rejection of a child that says, I don't like you. Says, okay, because I haven't done my own healing work, I'm going to just say yes. And then what that does is that passes the trauma down and the child now doesn't learn about what boundaries are they just are used to getting what they want and then how does that work out in relationships how does that work in the work world these are you know i've worked with some people who were golden children they're the toughest ones to work with the ones that were golden children they're really difficult to work with i usually will interview and uh you know, it's after working with a few, I'm almost ready to set a boundary and go. No, I won't work with anymore. Are you a golden child? Here's my boundary. I don't work with. Assholes <laughs> I don't like that anymore. And by the way, as you become deeper with your trauma healing work, your boundaries of what you let into your world become more and more firm and more defined. That's what boundaries actually are. It's not a fence that separates you from other people. I want you to look at it as like a, a definition or a shape of who you actually are. It's kind of like a like when you're looking at a television screen, those old television screens that had like the fuzz. Sh- it kind of is like a, a like a definition. It's like a person, a, a condensed version. It's a shape of who you are. You know, if you were, if you were shamed for saying no, like go hug your uncle. I don't want to. Go hug your uncle. And then you're like, and that you, you were punished for it. What the message you're getting is that I must abandon myself in order to feel lovable in order to be accepted, in order to be approved of. So what happens is we violate our own boundaries to be accepted and approved of. And the message that we get is that who we are is porous, is very, um, these boundaries of shaping who we are are very porous that we can abandon and betray ourselves as long as it gets us approval, as it gets, because we don't want to be bad. That's the biggest threat. We don't wanna live with the shame of being bad. So we say yes to everything and we become pleasers. We become people pleasers and there's no boundary because if I was to say no to you and you react to it, which is what'll happen on the other side of somebody who doesn't have boundaries as well. You know, when you learn to set boundaries to somebody who doesn't understand boundaries, They feel very conflicted and confronted. They feel it it, it triggers a rejection response. It triggers narcissistic injury with people. And then what happens? Then you're going to have to live with an internalized feeling of guilt, which then triggers toxic shame, which is I'm terrible. So in order to protect myself from toxic shame, I'm going to say yes to you. Right. And so this becomes very difficult because once our students in our cycle breakers program start to do the work, they start to define themselves. They start to get a definition of who they are. And then all of a sudden, these emotional contracts they have with fam- friends and family members all of a sudden change because, you know, they're like, hey, can you help me move? You know, when you have a back injury or whatever. And normally they'd say yes. They're like, you know what? I'm not feeling so good. This is not not okay for me right now i'm i'm gonna have to decline and all of a sudden the person's like oh you're being selfish and boom there it is guilt boom there it is toxic shame and then in that moment you have to make a decision and this is the decision that we are all responsible for in our human journey you're on a hero's journey and this journey is between these two specific choices choice number one attachment choice number 2 authenticity this is why boundaries are so difficult because as a child when you chose if you if you chose your authentic expression and it was shamed it was blamed it was abandoned it was rejected then the message you get is that it's not safe for me to express and speak my authentic truth. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to choose attachment over authenticity because that way I can get my survival needs met. You know, an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old can't say no because they want to feel approved of. So you say no. No. And then it carries forward in teenage years and then you start dating and the the person wants to have sex, but you don't want to, but you don't, you're already conditioned. It's a, it's part of your conditioning to not say no and you really want to be liked. So then you say yes, you just do it. And then all of a sudden you hate yourself and, and you get, you feel totally victimized and this is the truth of life. And usually this is why boundaries are a work in progress. There is no definition that's like, boom, the end, end all and be all. When you meet somebody, what you're doing is two people are kind of poking at one another to see where their boundaries are. You know, I used to do this, you know, when I would meet a woman, I would kind of poke. We, we all do this with one another. What can I get away with, right? If I'm late, right, and the person doesn't say anything or just, just kind of pretends everything's okay, then all of a sudden the message that the person who was late for is, oh, this person doesn't really mind. I can just whatever. But if the if the person then all of a sudden uh, has the opposite approach, which is how dare you? You're 10 minutes late. That's unacceptable. And it's like a reflexive boundary. And then you're shamed for it. Then, you know, th- that's the opposite end of the spectrum. So, the way that I've observed boundaries, here's the target the target is boundaries are, are necessary for secure relationships to happen. Number one, it's really important for us to know uh, what they are and to be able to communicate them in a very compassionate way towards ourselves and to other people. So here's the target. This is what we teach in our cycle breakers community is with compassionate understanding, compassionate boundaries, you know, can, can they be compassionate, compassionately loving first to ourselves and towards others, which, you know, that late example would be, look, you were 10 minutes late. And I understand this was challenging, but really, I would really appreciate next time before, uh, our call or our, our meeting, if you're going to be late, I really appreciate you letting me know. That way, I know that we're still on. Is that possible for you to do? And then you get an agreement, right? If they freak out over it, well, here's where the, this is the rub. And this is really the key is if somebody violates your boundary early on in a relationship, What causes us to keep them there? And the answer is, if you it's familiar, if you've been used to having that experience growing up, then you're not going to have it as a boundary, right? And so, this kind of really begs it, it it points highlights the importance of actually healing our primary attachment wounds. Without healing that, we won't have an understanding of of where our no is. Right. If you, you know, are used to cleaning up after your drunk father growing up when you're eight, nine, ten, and you had to parentify your 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 you were parentified. In other words, you were had to take care of the physical and emotional needs of parents that were, let's say, alcoholic and you're used to cleaning up after your dad, when you start dating and you meet a a partner and they get rip-roaring drunk on the second date to the point where they black out, a healthy individual who's gotten completion would look at that as a red flag. They'd be like, ooh, that's a boundary. That's a red flag. It's a no for me. And then you'd be able to say, listen, I understand you had a lot to drink, I'm not, that's not the kind of relationship that I'm looking for. And you'd be able to, to be, because you've done your healing work, because you'd be able to see that and go, that's not the kind of relationship that I'm looking for. And that's a red flag for me. So I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, this is not the, this, this relationship won't work for me. And you'll be able to, with love, be able to say no to somebody and, and say, you know, no more. You, you know, I I can't have you in my life. That's a that's a red flag. That's a boundary. Does that make sense? Is this making sense? Take a moment and think of your biggest takeaway so far. What I'm trying to what I'm trying to take the, the take-home point I'd really like for you to get right now is our boundaries are formed from childhood and they are basically resulting and when we don't have healthy boundaries it's because we were often shamed for speaking up or uh, asking for what we wanted we weren't allowed to have our own version of reality our version of reality our desires were shamed or invalidated so what happens is the child part of us doesn't think that oh there's something wrong with them we think there's something wrong with us as children. And then we carry that conditioning with us into adulthood, into our relationships, and we don't have an ability to say no. We have zero ability to say no. So what I'd like to do is to kind of highlight uh, the, the top um, seven boundary types, and you can rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 so that you know exactly what it is to work on, right? Boundaries are difficult and they're a work in progress. When you meet somebody, you know, we're constantly learning new boundaries. Dominic, as he grows, he's developing his boundaries and we are as well. So a relationship, a secure relationship is evolving as things shift and new boundaries are formed and negotiated, The question is, have you developed the skills to regulate yourself, to heal with the younger parts of you that didn't have boundaries shared at at the right way, and to communicate them in a way that lands for another person? This is a skill. These are soft skills that I didn't know, and that's why my relationships were always insecure. I was avoidant because my boundaries weren't respected, so I learned to kind of become an island and deal with them myself. So when I get into relationships, all of a sudden, when big emotions come up, boom, I want to bail and I have really rigid boundaries, which is the avoidant attached. Consequently, I would date others who were the insecure, anxious, which uh, were taught that their boundaries, you know, they weren't um, respected. Their boundaries for connection weren't. Respected their boundaries for space weren't respected, so they become more ambivalent, type of attachment, and all of a sudden they abandon themselves and they don't know how to say no. And so their boundaries become very porous, right? So the insecure, anxious, and the uh avoidant are a beautiful match made in hell, (laughs) the trauma bond, right? Without really doing your inner healing work and mastering somatically and healing with those younger parts and the shadows that are in the shadows and our darker parts that we've been trying to push away without meeting them head on and resolving with those parts and gaining trust back with those parts that we've abandoned, then we will never, never be able to trust ourselves to have boundaries in relationships. But when we do integrate those parts and to heal with those parts and heal our attachment wounds, our natural boundaries will come up. We can ask for what we want. We can say no. And if the person doesn't react or respond in a loving manner to our boundaries, then we'll be able to go, you know, there's no room for you in my life, right? I know now is a really neat trick I'm going to give you. How to know whether somebody deserves to be in your life or not. Check this out. Say no to them. This is what I coach my, um, my, my clients uh, that I'm working with and they're dating again, you know, after, after they've broken up, they've divorced and they want to date again and they don't know. They, they don't know what a secure relationship feels like. How are they supposed to, right? And so when you set a boundary for somebody and you say what's okay and what's not in a very loving and compassionate way, if that causes them a narcissistic injury and they can't respect it, and they encroach your boundaries by 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 just stepping through them which is exactly what happened in my previous relationship i didn't understand boundaries my mother kept encroaching them so when i would ask for space she wouldn't respect it i thought that that was normal and that would cause me to lose my shit and then then i would get i would lose it cuz that was my my trigger and so all of this kind of to say i've gone through the entire experience to to finally understand this conversation of boundaries and now when i say no to somebody i watch how they react and if they react reflexively uh egotistically and they try to shame me for it that's a good sign for me to get them the fuck out of my life with love you know, it's not about love and light all the time. I'm all about, and you might disagree, this is not the gospel according to Nima. This is what's been working for me and the others that I that I love to, to teach is I'm all about peace, love, and a little go fuck yourself. And when people reach out to work with me, uh, they DM and they have all that they story. Uh, we now have boundaries to let people in. We used to just let anybody in and work with anybody. But now <laughs> I realize Not everybody's a fit to be in your life. And we have an application process now where we see if the person is ready. We now create, then then we had, we we first thing was like, okay, now I'm not gonna just talk to anybody who wants to talk to me. We have an application process. Boom, that was helpful. And it helped us weed out certain people. But then what would happen is people would apply and then they would no-show, which is a huge violation of my boundaries of my time. So as I kept building my own inner resources, my boundaries started coming up to to work with me, for example. Now we have a $150 deposit to get an interview. So not only do we have, you have to have an interview with, with our community manager, we have an application form, but now we have a $150 deposit, which is refundable. But guess what? That worked because the people who apply and they don't do the deposit perfect they're not the right fit we got to see if they say no to that perfect they did both of us a favor saved ourselves the time and them the time of wasting the time of where it's not going to be a fit if you're not going to you know want to do the work with us and you don't have to you don't i'm not saying anybody should But the people who really resonate with what we're saying and are really ready to take responsibility, overcome their victimhood, heal their attachment traumas, not just cognitive talk therapy, but in their body, well, these are the boundaries. And so the boundaries that we set up are beautiful because now they weed out the people who are not the right fit to be in our world. Not everybody should be in your world. You're not for everybody. And that's okay right? And so the ones that show up, well they do that. Wow. We've never had a problem with no-shows ever since. Would you would you look at that, right? And then we now ask them a few questions. And then when we say quite frankly now, we say no to more people who actually apply. We say I don't think you're a fit. We don't think you're a fit. Right? Because of certain red flags that we see when they're not able to respect kind of our process, this is how we do it, and they don't respect it, boom, red flag. And I'm very open with people now. Mrs. Jones, quite frankly, can I share with you? This is why I see a red flag. Or people will apply to work with us, and all of a sudden we say, okay, there's, a, there's an application, all right, this is what our course is, what the investment is. And all of a sudden, sometimes, depending on your financial situation, not everybody is ready. Not everybody's either ready or they can afford it. That's okay. Not everybody's for us. It's okay. But all of a sudden, they start going off. Oh, I have to see. I got to talk to my accountant. Oh, like they're reactive and and, and they they start, you know, becoming ultra, like, going into their story. And then what I'm seeing is, I'm, excuse me, Mrs. What we say, excuse me, Mrs. Jones. It seems like for you to participate in this, it would be too much of a stress for you and would send you through uh, into crisis. So this is not the right time for you. So please come back at another time where it's, you know, more feasible. So we set that boundary. We could see if, if the investment to work with us, which the minimum for the container is about 2,500 for our group coaching, if that's gonna cause so much distress, then it's a no. It's a red flag that's not for you. Our work is not for people who are in like a crisis situation because you know there's there's other places for that. We have free YouTube videos, I have a podcast, All of this stuff to help learn, to to, to get the information, but to actually do the work with us, there requires an investment because, you know, working with trauma, you know, you got to have boundaries around that. Otherwise, uh, us as trauma workers, uh, we get secondary post-traumatic stress. Working with cluster B personality types is very stressful. Uh, Psychologists, medical doctors, uh, one of the biggest causes of their disability is secondary post-traumatic stress working with traumatized folks causes working with people with trauma causes secondary ptsd so when they get reactive and we say no this is not the right time and all of a sudden there is like a a narcissistic like a rage reaction how dare you and they come after you it's like okay thank you for letting us know this is not the right fit so in order for me to get to that place, I had to overcome a, a massive amount of guilt and shame, being shamed for being selfish and all of the things that people will say to you when you set your boundaries. What I'm telling you is set them anyway and trigger-proof yourself to the guilt and shame that, that is going to come up when people feel rejected by your boundaries. That's really, really the take-home point is that if you don't set the boundary and you don't ask for what you want, what you're doing is you're you're, you're trading guilt for resentment. In order for you to avoid feeling guilty, you're choosing to feel resentment instead because you will guaranteed to feel resentful after a while because... Of course you should. You're abandoning yourself. So my invitation for you is to grab a pen right now and rate yourself as I share with you some of the the seven types of boundaries. I'm going to list them out and I want you to write down what rating you give yourself. I'm going to make a statement and then you're going to try that statement on and then share in the comments section how true that is. 10 being 100% true, 1 being not true at all, 0 being I completely kaput, I suck, right? And so now we know what to work on. Number one, and let me just write them down here actually. Let's see, I got my little trusty thing here. Let's see if I can do it here. All right, okay. Number one, emotional boundaries, What does that mean? It basically means, try this statement on. I'm not responsible for how they feel. If they're triggered or getting them, I'm not responsible for how they feel. If they're getting triggered or getting them regulated. I can tolerate other people's experiences and see that I am separate from them. How would you rate your emotional boundaries? One to ten. Do you feel that that's true? You know? If you have been dealing with enmeshment trauma, you'll say one. You'll be like, one of my clients was, was like, I feel like a jellyfish. Whatever they feel, I feel responsible for them. I feel like fixing them. I feel like their feeling is, becomes my feeling. What that means is you have very poor emotional boundaries. So rate yourself on a scale of one to 10. How are you on emotional boundaries? Okay, that's the emotional boundaries. The second one is sexual. Sexual boundaries. Rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10. And here it is. Try this statement on. This is pleasurable. This is not. And I'm safe to express that. There are no have to's. So I don't have to. It's like. You're having sex with someone and they want to do, let's say, anal sex, for example. Pardon my language. I get a little bit raunchy sometimes. That's just how I am. (laughs) I'm a kinky bastard. (laughs) Um, And you feel obligated that you have to do it. You don't feel safe to say no, then you're a one or a zero. But if you're like, absolutely not, absolutely no to the anal, (laughs) and they respect it, That means that you have good sexual boundaries. So I'm curious to know how you would rate yourself on that. Okay? Number three, verbal. Verbal boundaries. You're going to rate yourself on a scale of one to ten. So here, here it is. Try this statement on. I can use my voice to communicate my truth, regardless of the person's power, age, influence that I'm speaking with. Verbal boundaries. I give myself a 10 on that because I know how to communicate it to anyone, even if it was the prime minister or the president, I'd be able to say it, you know, in a way that, here's the question, can you say it in a way that's compassionate rather than being a fucking jerk about it? <laughs> that doesn't mean you have great boundaries if they're reflexive. Reflexive boundaries do- doesn't mean they're, they're, they're healthy, right? They're mean, that's a trauma response right? It's like, and we all have them. It's just, and it's a work in progress. I'm just curious where you are with it. Okay. Number three, number four, this is a big one for me being where I'm at because I get DMs people. Hey, can you hop on a call? Can you hop on a call? I really resonate with your, your, your work. Can you hop on a call? It's like, there's this sense of entitlement that happens with trauma. People feel entitled that just because they resonate with my, uh, material or they feel they have a connection because they've been watching or listening that they're entitled to my time. Can you just hop on a call with me right now? I really need to ask you something. And I'm embarrassed to say it in public, right? So here it is, time boundaries. And I'm like, uh, hell no. <laughs> if you want to work with us, here's an application. All right, here it is. You know, Or ask me a question in the group. Maybe if it serves other people, make it public. I'll do a Facebook Live video about it, right? So, but I got to, you know, I'm not, you know, (laughs) I'm not just here at your beck and call. Um, Time boundaries. Here it is. I decide how long I will stay, talk and help because I value my time. I don't overgive my time or withhold my time. This is a challenge because I have clients and I have time boundaries and sometimes getting, people off calls because after they're done, they're like, Oh, can I ask you some more questions? And so I'm getting better at it specifically with clients as well as like sometimes when you're on calls with people, right. And have you ever experienced trying to get off the phone with somebody and you say, all right, I got to go. And then it's like, they're not even fucking listening. <laughs> That's one of my pet peeps. <laughs> it's like, when I say, I got to go, and then it's like they don't even hear you. <laughs> that Those are people who don't respect boundaries. But the real question is, are you able to reinforce them? Because if you're not able to enforce the boundary and say, no, I really have to go. It's a full stop. I have 30 seconds and I have to go. I can take one more question, but I have to go. Right? Right. How good are you with those? How, how readily available is that? I decide how long I will stay. Or are you a one where you're literally at the effect of other people? You're a slave. This basically, you know, this, this basically gets you to see are you at the effect of your own life or are you a slave in your life? Most of us, especially if you're codependent, if you identify with codependency, you've been conditioned and groomed to be a slave. So you're going to have a lot more work cut out for you. Your work is more difficult. And one of the key components to connecting with boundaries is connecting with your anger. And most people who say, I don't, I, I don't have connection to my anger because probably it was beaten out of you as a child, then you don't have boundaries. Your work, you're going to have to work extra hard. You're going to have to find the right guide to help you find that container for yourself. And it's not going to happen just with talk therapy. It's got to be somatic, unless it's the body is used, it's not going to actually land. So the next one is number five. Number five is generosity boundaries. So I'm going to um, make a statement, and I, I want you to try it on and tell me how true it is, one to ten. I give materially and emotionally by listening to my internal compass and not as a way to gain love or be a good person. The amount I'm able to give at any time is not a reflection of my worth. (laughs) One to ten. It's kind of like when you're watching those TV shows and then they show really sad pictures of poor people and they say, Give now. If, if your heart completely bleeds and you feel like, oh my God, I need to give or I'm a bad person, then your generosity boundaries are very porous. But if you can watch that and go, that doesn't inspire me, but this charity inspires me and I'm going to be generous with here and here and here because that's what I choose, that means you have a very good generosity boundary. Where are you at with that? Go ahead and write it down. Has This been useful so far. I'm curious. Write in the chat box. Is this conversation useful for you? Number six, physical boundaries. So try this one on, try this sentence on. If I don't want to shake their hand or give a hug, I don't. And I listen to my truth. If they're family members, I don't want to be, I don't want to be around, I listen to myself regardless of their response. So are you able to create and maintain physical boundaries of your own choosing? Or do you abandon yourself for the sake of getting along, belonging, or being a good person? Are you able to say, no, thank you? Or, you know, uh, please, no, that doesn't feel comfortable. I don't want you to touch me there. This is big, you know? And when we don't have this right, this is where sexual abuse happens it's not just sexual boundaries when in sex but how about leading up to sex right if we don't have healthy boundaries and you have somebody who's equally as clueless about boundaries as you and they you know they they might mistake your lack of response for approval right oh it means that she really wants it cuz she didn't say no but you didn't you might have had a poor physical boundary because it was conditioned that you're not allowed to speak up. And now, boom, this is how most, this is how it happens. You know, this is how it happens. It's not necessarily that people are like predators, right? The whole me too thing. Oh, they're, men are all predators type of thing. And it's all about men. No, sometimes it's an un, unconscious, uh, non-trauma informed um, experience, where two people are fucking clueless about boundaries because they haven't done their healing work. And then we have a trauma happen, and then it keeps kind of stacking one on top of another, and here we are in adulthood, and then we feel like jellyfish, right? And this is why I'm so committed to teaching people how to break the cycle, because it's not about blame and shame, because once you really get this, this isn't about pointing fingers and blaming, because when you look at this, this is generations old. You were informed of your boundaries, from your parents, 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 you know, generations, right? We're talking thousands of people who've been oppressed and hurt and traumatized and here we are, right? The last one, number seven, is mental boundaries, which is I know my thoughts, values, and opinions. I feel grounded in them and, I, and because of that, I'm open to listening to other opinions and beliefs, I don't give advice because I know they are on their own journey. I don't blame or accept blaming. This is massive in the entire post-pandemic world where everyone's got an opinion. Are you able to know your own and have such certitude in your own opinion that somebody can have a completely polarizing opposite opinion and you can have compassion for them? Most people don't. Most people are trying to convince other people, and try to you know convert other people to their own because they don't really have a fir- firm security in themselves, or or they you know you you blame others and you 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 don't speak up for yourself, right? Where would you be? Where would you be? Um, where would you be in um? in this spectrum, one to 10. So these are the seven primary and add them all up. What I'm going to get you to do is add them all up and you have a score. And what's your score out of 70? What is your score out of 70? And if you are beneath like 30, beneath 40, where would you love to be? What's been the impact on your life? What's been the impact of not knowing what those boundaries are? What's been the impact of you transgressing other people's boundaries? Where are your insecurities and where have you been? And truthfully, where would you love to be? You know, and the question is, is this important enough for you to really invest learning in? You know, what's been what has it co- Here's the real question. What's it cost you to not have learned how to really? get a firm connection of your own identity and, and and create an identity of your choosing rather than the one that was given to you unknowingly. That's, that's how it's happened. You ended up here in this conversation, interested in this conversation, knowing know, know that you were born given an identity. You were given a name. You were given a rel- religion, per- per- perhaps. You're given a nationality, you know, a social class of what you think that you deserve. Healing from our attachment traumas means breaking free from that matrix, taking that red pill, finding a Morpheus that will help guide you into taking the right red pill so that you can now create a new identity, an identity who uh, knows themselves, is able to do what they love, where they love, with whom they love, and have boundaries around who they work with. <laughs> You know, I I love the fact that I can um, put out free content on social media and impact people's lives. And then those that really feel called can apply to work with us. And we don't have to take everybody. We just, we don't, there's certain people with cluster B personality types who've gone too far. And there's some who are like, you're uh, it's resonating with me. I can totally see my narcissistic parts and I'm ready to heal. And they're ready to take ownership. They're ready to take responsibility, get past their, and and receive feedback right and then there's the other type which we can find in the application process <laughs> that don't want anything other than to feel validated for their own story those are not the people that are ready to heal if you're ready to heal from this one of the hallmark features of healing our trauma is a sense of humility that you know that i'm willing to learn uh, you know i didn't learn I didn't learn how to, 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 to be a healthy individual because my parents weren't healthy individuals. But I want to break the cycle because I want to be an example to my kids. Their education, I can't tell them, I, I need to show them by who I'm being. and Not by just giving them exactly what they want, but by really being a firm knowing in myself so that I can say no to them when it serves their highest good to say no to them and not be pulled in by the fear of their rejection of me, right? That's conscious parenting and this work that we do is really in our community is for people who are willing to take take raise their hand and say, it didn't start with me, but it can end with me and I want to break the cycle because I want to have secure relationships. Whether you're single and you're now starting to date and you want to do it the right way for the first time, those are the people. Or you're in a relationship where you don't know, should I stay or go? Should we separate? Uh, we're on our last leg here. Great, perfect timing, both for you to go inside rather than point fingers and play the victim because that's not going to get you anywhere. So hopefully this was of use. If any, if you have any questions, please send me a DM with your backstory if you're wanting the guidance. If you're ready to be a cycle breaker, you're ready to have an asshole like me guide you and to tell you the truth, sometimes it's not what you want to hear, but do it in a compassionately loving way uh, and you're making... You know, you want to make 2023 in this new reality your priority to to heal those, not just by talking, but by feeling through it. I'd love to hear from you. Sending you so much love, and we'll see you at the next perfect time. Oh, forgot to say, uh, tomorrow, those of you I can already see in the in the group are coming to our overview experience. That's going to be from noon to six. Uh, if, if you haven't come yet. Um, if you haven't uh you haven't uh you didn't know about it i'll put the link down join us it's a six hour deep dive in healing your attachment traumas uh, and uh, that's the best place to begin if you're kind of wondering where to begin and the link is there and it's on zoom and you're encouraged to show up live ask questions and bring your biggest conflict because i'm going to show you how to repair sending sending you love see you at the next perfect time